Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Turn, if you will, to the book of Jonah, chapter number 1. We're going to be looking uh, today at chapter number 1, chapter number 2. And there's so much in these first two chapters, I kind of felt challenged on what scripture to open our reading with. Uh, there's a great deal in this book, uh, a tremendous amount in this book that we could cover, uh, but we're going to do, as we've done with the others, we're going to do an overview, kind of a flyover, if you will and uh, look at these first two chapters uh, today, and then we'll look at chapter number three and chapter number four on next week. But let's read the first three verses of the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter number one, verse number one. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, uh, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. Father, again, we ask you that you open our eyes that we may see, open our minds that we may know, and open our hearts that we may be grateful for your scripture. Lord, I pray that you would enable us to glean from it those things that would be pleasing in your sight this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The book of Jonah is a subversive story of a rebellious prophet. And he's rebellious for this reason. He hates that God loves his enemies. That's the whole purpose of his wanting to leave. And I know that I've given you what the book of Jonah waits till chapter number four to give you uh, the reason why Jonah does what he does. Jonah is unique among the prophets of the Old Testament because those prophets typically are a collection of God's words spoken through the prophets. And this particular in this particular book, it's God speaking about the prophet. It's, it's not God using the prophet to speak the words. It's God speaking about the prophet. Uh, this, this book, as we've been looking at it, and we've been doing having this series on majoring on the minors, and 
we picked up on major themes in each of the what we know as the minor prophets. In this particular minor prophet, we're looking at major pursuit. This morning, we're going to be looking at major pursuit of the prophet. Uh, how that God goes after the prophet. Understanding that this book is unique, we understand that it doesn't actually focus on the words of the prophet, but as we read through it, it's a story about a prophet. And to be honest with you, it's a story about a really mean prophet when we begin to look at it. Well, we began to understand who he is. Uh, Jonah appears only one other time in the Old Testament, and it is during the king of, uh, of Israel, during the reign of Jeroboam II, uh, somebody we've already heard about in the last couple of weeks. And we know and understand that this king is a bad king. Uh, he he is also mentioned in Amos, which we covered the last couple of weeks. But Jonah's prophet Jonah actually, when we first see him, we first see him in Second Kings chapter fourteen, in verse number twenty three through verse number twenty five. Jonah prophesies to King Jeroboam that he is going to win a battle. And that he is going to regain the territories that he had lost on the northern edge of Israel. The, the odd thing that we find, and, and unless I'm badly mistaken, it's the only time you find it in the Word of God. The odd thing that you find is... Jonah prophesies that he's going to win the battle and he's going to regain all that territory. Well, Amos, in Amos chapter number 6 and verse number 13 and 14, God specifically uses Amos to overturn the prophecy of Jonah and tell Jeroboam that uh, all of this stuff's not going to happen. And basically, Amos, you, you and I have already looked at Amos we find that Amos tells him that you're going into desolation. You're gonna, there's going to be great things uh, that are going to come against you instead of you gaining all this territory. So before the story ever begins in the book of Jonah, when we see him in 2 Kings, we're, we're already kind of suspicious of the character of Jonah. I mean, why, why did he prophesy what he prophesied? Did, did God tell him to prophesy that? If God did, God overturned it, and that's God's choice. But uh, when we look at this and we understand, I think the key thing that we draw from that, that it is a good thing that this book is not all about Jonah. It's about God. It's about His mercy. It's about His forgiveness. So we have chapter 1 and 3 that tells the story of Jonah's encounters with non-Israelites. 
And in chapter 2 and 4, we have the dealings with Jonah's prayers. Jonah prays two different prayers. He encounters two different groups of people that are non-Israelites. And he prays two different times. And we're going to, we're going to look at that first one today. We're going to look at chapter number 1 and 2. And we're going to consider his first encounter with non-Israelites and his prayer. And then next week we will be looking at his second encounter with non-Israelites and his prayer concerning that. This week we're going to be looking at the major pursuit of the prophet. And next week we're going to be looking at the major pursuit of the people as we look at this book. I want us to consider this book, as I've already said, uh, uh, the subject of major pursuit. And this pursuit is not the prophet pursuing, it's God pursuing. Like I said, in chapter 1 and 2, it deals with the mariners, or it deals with the sailors that he comes encounter as an encounter with, and then it deals with his prayer. And then, of course, in chapter number 3 and 4, it deals with his encounter with Nineveh and his prayer after his encounter with Nineveh. I want you to hear what Charles Spurgeon has to say about the book of Jonah. He said, Observe the misconduct of the prophet Jonah. He had a plain command from the Lord, and he knew it to be a command. But he felt that he knew, uh, he felt that the commission given to him would not be pleasant and honoring to himself, so he declined to comply with it. That's. <laughs> That's odd that he realizes it's a command from God, but yet he fails to comply with it. And we, we think that that to be odd from a prophet, but how many times is it that we hear a command from God and we don't comply with it? I think we can see ourselves in Jonah many times. But he goes on to say, uh, Spurgeon goes on to say, we see from his action how some who really know God may act as if they did not know Him. Jonah knew that God was everywhere, yet he rose up to flee to Tarshish. And where did he want to flee from? It said he was fleeing from the presence of God. What a strange inconsistency that there's often are good men uh, that do the same. Here's one of one who is favored with a divine commission, and yet he does not follow through with that commission. He chooses to decide to go somewhere else to do something else. It's interesting as we began to look at this, there's a lot of there's a lot of satire that we find in the book of Jonah. There's a lot of things kind of flipped over on its head. In fact, uh, as we go through the book of Jonah, most everything is turned over on its head. Uh, 
There again, even the book of Jonah itself, where it's ordinarily we're looking at the Word of God through the prophet, we're looking at instead of God's Word being spoken by the prophet, we're looking at God's Word being spoken about the prophet. Uh, So we're understanding that there's a lot of satire, and we'll consider that as we go through this book. But I want to I want to give you an outline real quickly, and it's already in your in your uh, notes there. But the outline that we're going to consider is the word that came, the Lord cast, the mariners cast, the fish caught, and the fish coughed out. And I uh, tried to do a little bit of alliteration, so bear with me this morning as we go through this. Uh, But understand in verse number 1 and verse number 2, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. What did Jonah do? Jonah decided that he would raise up and flee to Tarshish. The interesting thing is, if you were to get a map out, you would understand that, that Nineveh, where Jonah was, Nineveh was kind of northeast to where he was. And if the studies that I'd looked into, most everybody agreed that it was about 550 miles that he would have had to travel to go to Nineveh. He would have had to travel, like I said, northeast. But where does he go? He goes to Joppa, which is directly west. And he boards a ship to go to Tarshish, which is across the the Mediterranean Sea and is at what they knew to be the end of the earth. It was over in Spain. It was the southern end of Spain. So he's going as, instead of going east like God told him to, I heard one, one commentator that made this statement. He said, he said if, it were, if there were wet cement and at the beginning of, uh, of the book of Jonah, and Jonah were to put his footprints in the concrete before it set, his footprints should have been pointed northeast. But instead, they were pointed west. And they were pointed in the opposite direction of where God intended on him going or where God had given him a command to go. So he raises up and he flees. He goes away. And the interesting thing is, and and you're gonna this is some of the satire that you see in the book of Jonah. Jonah raises up, it says in verse number one, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. In verse number three, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. We're going to see in just a moment when we get on down through the Scripture, we're going to see that when they ask Him who He is when He's on the ship, He said, I am a Hebrew. I serve the God of... And this is what He tells them. I serve the God of the sea and the dry land. So He raises up knowing and serving the God of the sea and dry land, he raises up to flee from what? The presence of the Lord. 
He says he's, he says he's trying to flee from the presence of the Lord, but God is everywhere. You can't flee from a God who is everywhere. So he raises up. He decides he's going to flee. He goes down to Joppa. He pays the fare. He sets sail to Tarshish. And, and the thing that I want us to understand here is he rose up to flee. And as he went down to Joppa and he found the ship that was leaving. And by the way, it, it wasn't, this wasn't something that just ought to, there wasn't ships going to Tarshish all the time. But he was able to find one. And he thought, well, I'm, I'm getting away. I'm, I'm not going to have to go do what I've got to do or what God told me to do. So he pays the fare and he goes into the ship and he goes down into the bottom of the ship. Well, as soon as that happens, the Bible tells us in verse number four, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Jonah has, Jonah has left so that he would not have to go to his enemies. But he's entered into an enemy ship and encountered enemies that he's going to have to do for them what he was going to have to do for Nineveh when he went there. And we'll see that in just a moment. But God cast a tempest. It says that God sent out. That, that, that phrase sent out. If you were to look at that phrase sent out and you were to do a word study on it, you would find out that that is to hurl or to cast. God cast, if you will. God hurled a tempest out. He hurled a storm out. And as God sent that storm out, He also sent the storm to call their attention so that there was not only the storm that He cast, and He gave them a tempest, but He also gave them a time to recognize Him. Look in verse number 14, or yeah, verse number 14 down through verse number 16. Look at what happened with this tempest that took place. In verse number 14 down through verse number 16, Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish with this man's life and lay not upon us the innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took Jonah and cast him forth into the sea and and ceased uh, or, or ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. God sent a tempest. He cast a tempest, if you will. But in His casting a tempest, He also gave those mariners a time to recognize who He was. So, in the Lord casting that tempest and him throwing that tempest to the ship. And the Bible said it was so bad that the ship was almost to be broken. So we find that not only the Lord is casting this storm toward the, that ship 
And not only is He giving them time to recognize who He is, but we find that the Lord's not the only one doing some casting. And this word cast, where, where we come down to the mariners and their casting, that word cast is actually used, but it is the same, it is the same fervency that we see when it said he, that the Lord sent out. It's that hurling, if you will, that, that throwing, that casting. But what did the mariners, or to the sailors, if you will, what did they cast? They cast their wares of the ship. They began to throw overboard the very merchandise that they were hauling from one place to another one. It's kind of interesting, and I failed to mention this as we were recognizing the fact that God gave them a point to recognize Him. There were three times in that verse of Scripture that we read, there were three times that they mentioned Lord. And if you'll read that, it says capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. What does that mean when we see that in Scripture? That means Jehovah God. They recognized who He was. So the mariners began to cast. They were casting the very merchandise that was on the ship. They were casting the, the wares that were there. They were casting everything that they could to try to get the ship lightened so it could float on the water a little better. They did that, and, and in the middle of all of this, the, the shipmaster goes down into the ship, finds Jonah and said, what are you doing? What, uh, everybody else is praying to their gods. Why are you not praying to your God? Do you not know we're in the middle of a storm? Do you not know that we're in the middle of this tempest, this strong storm that's happening, this strong storm that's taking place? So they bring him up and they begin to question him and ask him, and this is where Jonah begins to tell them that he's a Hebrew. That he is a servant of the God of dry land and of the sea. And this is where Jonah, uh, uh, maybe a little satire here. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe so. Maybe there's a little satire here because Jonah tells them to do what? Cast me overboard. This tempest is because of me, so cast me overboard. And, and at, at first sight of that, you think, well, Jonah is just, he's such a great guy that he's, he's, he's just wanting to sacrifice himself so that everybody else is safe. When in reality, the real the real story behind the story is probably Jonah is saying, you know, if you cast me overboard and I go into the sea and I die, I don't have to go to Nineveh. So I think somewhere still down in his heart, he's still saying, I'll get away. Of course, you and I know that even if he got away then, he was still going to be in the presence of the Lord because he was going to be with the Lord. He's not just going to be hearing the voice of the Lord, but He's going to be with Him. So we understand that after all this is going on, the mariners said, we don't want to do this. We don't want to be, this innocent blood to be on us. We don't want this man's life to be on us. They even The Bible tells us here that they even tried to row harder to take the ship back to shore. 
but it was impossible. So they cast lots. The lot fell on Jonah and they said, okay. So they did some casting. They were casting their wares overboard. So this time they began to cast the wanderer overboard. They threw Jonah overboard. And as they throwed him overboard, as they cast him overboard, the Bible tells us in verse number 17, let's look there. Now the Lord... Here's, here's the interesting thing. Where is Jonah trying to get away from? The presence of the Lord. Who is it that prepared a fish a long time ago with a GPS system to be at the right place at the right time at the right moment to catch this Sinking failure. They cast him overboard. They threw him overboard, and just at that right moment, God, in verse number 17, and the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So the fish catches a sinking failure who is Jonah and he also at the same time that he catches this sinking failure he gets a sickening feeling which leads us to what God commands the fish to do he commands him to cough him up so we come to chapter number 2 and verse number 10 And we find that the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. And as we go down through this, if you were to go down through and read this, you're going to find out that he had had seaweed wrapped all around him. He he was, it was, it was wrapped on him. I mean, he, he was vomited out. I mean, he didn't, he didn't come out in his three-piece suit and tie. He came out with all of the inner workings of that sick fish that vomited him out on shore. The interesting thing is, when you look at the map and you understand that he sets sail, he sets sail on the sea, gets to where God makes the tempest, the fish gets him, turns him around, and taxes him back to the same coast where he left. What was he trying to leave? The presence of the Lord. Who did he say he served? The God of dry land and the sea. How do you escape the presence of the Lord? Spurgeon made this statement. He said, precepts and not providence are the guide for the believer. It's not the circumstances that we're in that is our guide. It is the precepts that we find in the Word of God that is our guide. We don't determine what we're going to do because of what's happening around us. That's the reason that 
that, that all these movements that we've seen in our lifetimes with moral majority and, and, and all kinds that we could call the names of all other kinds of movements, these movements don't change things. The Word of God changes things. It is God's precepts that makes a difference. It is God's precepts that, uh, that, uh, that changes people's lives, that changes the direction of nations. But this fish coughs out Jonah. And as he coughs out Jonah, he coughs out a remembering prophet. Look at what it says in Jonah chapter number 2. And Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. I don't know how big the fish was. I don't know whether the inside of his belly was like a a three-star motel. I don't know what I don't know what situation Jonah found himself in, but I'm sure it was probably a tight situation. But he began to pray and he prayed out of the fish's belly. And what does he say? Look at look at his prayer. And said, I cry by reason of what? Mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I. And thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods come past me about, and all thy billows and thy waves pass over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters come past me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me around about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down into the bottoms of the mountains of the earth. With her bars was about me forever, yet Hast thou brought me up, brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God? When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayers came in unto thee in thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pray that I have that that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. This wandering prophet, this sinking failure, gets into the belly of the well, and he begins to remember. And as he begins to remember, and, and I had a hard time when I was studying this, and I talked to Jeffrey, I guess it was Monday or Tuesday of this week, and I because, because I know the rest of the story, I had a problem with this part of the story until I recalled that Jonah's human as we are, that Jonah's made of the same stuff we are. 
I find in this passage of Scripture that this was not only a remembering prophet, but this was a repenting prophet. He was repenting. He did repent. He made the statement in verse number 8, or in verse number 9, he says here, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. He remembered and he repented. You and I know the rest of the story. We've heard it all of our lives. We know where Jonah's going to end up again. And as he ends up in that place again, it calls my attention to the fact that I end up in that place again and again and again. The blessing is that it is not about the fact that we end up there again and again. It is about the fact that God is merciful to us when we end up there again and again and again. We find here that he remembered. He recalled who God was. And as he recalled who God was, he repented and he made the statement, salvation is of the Lord. We're going to find out next week, and I don't want to spoil anything by looking too far ahead, but his whole reason for not wanting to go is because he didn't want God to be merciful. But yet we find him in a place where he needs God to be merciful. Isn't that like us many times? Do we not look around and say, God, how could you how could you overlook that or how could you forgive that? And yet we look inside and we understand that we need God's forgiveness. We need God's mercy. We need God's grace. And that is what God is trying to get us to see in the book of Jonah. God's not just trying to tell us about a man that got swallowed by a whale. And if we're not careful, that's all we'll know and we'll miss all the rest. What God is showing us in this book, and and again, there is so much that is in this book because God is not just concerned with this people. He's concerned with this world. And we're going to see that even as we get into next week. But understand that the the theme that we need to see from this scripture is the mercy of God. And that mercy is of God. It's not of us. We didn't work it up. We didn't we didn't cultivate it. We didn't we didn't plant it. The only thing that we did is had a need for it. The only thing we brought to God is a need for mercy, a need for grace. And God provided mercy, grace. Why? Jonah said it here at the end of his prayer. Salvation 
is of the Lord. Salvation's not of anything else but of God. And we see here that, that we see here the the sovereignty of God. We see here the, the greatness of God. We see here that, that it is God who purposes. But understand that that mercy is something you and I need just as Jonah has needed over and over and over again. It will not be till we're in eternity with Him that we will not need the continued mercy of God Although it is even then the mercy of God that will keep us and, and, and maintain us throughout all eternity. So this book is not just about a prophet who decides he don't want to do what God wants him to do. It's all about the mercy of God. It's all about the forgiveness of God that He offers to people who are a mercy-needing people. Let's pray.